Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You are now listening to Part B of Episode 59 of The Drip. In this part of the episode, we discuss blackity-black-black news and world issues. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you like what you hear, if you think we've got the sauce, subscribe. On this week's episode, we discuss some of the top headlines from the week of May 16th, including... Ontario having a reopening plan, and this time... It actually makes sense. 50% of Canadians are now on track to be vaccinated by mid-August. The housing market cooling in March, but prices still being way too damn high. Illinois man suing police for mistaking his daughter's ashes for meth. BC's first black judge gets racially profiled. No surprise there. Japan, now in its fourth wave, receiving pressure to cancel Summer Olympics. And plenty more. Moving on to Blackity Black Black news this week. To start off this week's segment, we wanted to bring some attention to a public call for applications to join the external reference group of the Supporting Black Canadian Communities Initiative. This group will support the Minister of Families, Children, and Social Development to build a more inclusive Canada. And I think, or we think, this will serve as a great opportunity for more representation of the diversity of Blackness in Canada. The deadline for applications is Thursday, May 27th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so 8 p.m. on Thursday for those of us in the GTA. The link to the application will be in our show notes. Moving on, a Black Lives Matter activist from the UK is in critical condition. Her name is Sasha Johnson, and she sustained a gunshot wound to the head on Sunday, May 23rd. In addition to being a member of Black Lives Matter London, Sasha is also a member of what has been described as Britain's first Black-led political party, TTIP, the Taking the Initiative Party. Reports from The Guardian share that Sasha's group, TTIP, had been receiving numerous death threats leading up to the incident. However, no suspects have been found, no arrests have been made with regard to this incident, but it is certainly... um, bringing attention to some of the, the the issues that are happening in, in London, in the UK right now, around nationalism, around anti-Blackness, and its cause for some concerns. Yeah. We are sending nothing but well wishes to Sasha as she's fighting this critical wound, hoping that she'll return uh, to her role soon. Thoughts on this one, Curtis? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's... um. I say the word often, it's becoming exhausting to say the word exhausting, but it's exhausting to uh, to hear about the continued intimidation and the 
continued violent treatment of of black people who are and anybody for that matter but black mm-hmm. people in particular who are trying to make the world a better place literally like literally just trying to make things better and she shot in the head for it yeah. now we're going to move on to two stories that are just out of order um, on April 6th, 2020, so this is a year ago, Dartavius Barnes was pulled over for what we all know, you know, is one of those just racist traffic stops. Mm. During the stop, police insisted on searching Dartavius's vehicle. The officers suspected Dartavius of carrying illegal drugs in an urn found in the vehicle and spilled the ashes while testing for narcotics. In the video... The cop tells the man who's already handcuffed in the back of a police car that they tested the contents of the small container, the the urn, and believed it was drugs. Immediately, you can hear the anguish in Dartavius's voice as he explains that those are not drugs, that those are his daughter's remains, and pleads for the officer to hand over the remains of his two-year-old daughter, Tanasia Barnes, who he lost the year before. The Springfield, Illinois cop closed the door on the man and then seemed to laugh and joke as he tells the other officers about the situation and says that the substance did test positive for meth. The cop opens his trunk. So remember, this is all being captured on body camera footage. The cop opens his trunk, apparently planning to do a retest, and you can hear Dartavius yelling from the back seat how important the urn and the ashes are to him as Tanaja's father. Now, Curtis, I'm not sure how someone's ashes could test positive for meth Mm. or how easily one can mess up a roadside drug test or whether that officer even checked for meth. Mm. But if you watch the video, you see that they they end up deciding to give what is left of the ashes. Because again, they had like recklessly poured the ashes uh, while doing the test. They they had taken what was left of the ashes and given it to Dartavius's father, who was also on the scene of the incident. What are your thoughts on this? Trauma. Like that is, that is traumatic. Your, your baby girl is dead. And I mean, what, what, what he's doing, where he's going with the urn, who knows, but like, you, you know, you have your baby girl with you. Uh, you know, you're probably grieving heavily. Um, and I'll point out, I mean, look, you can say what you want about somebody doing meth, but at the baseline, it's pretty easy to deduce that this person is hurting and maybe why they might be using meth. I don't know if I want to even bring that up. The point, the point I'm making is there's no empathy for this man whatsoever. No empathy for Dartavius whatsoever. And what is going to come, like, is this police officer, any of his colleagues, is he going to be held accountable for that lack of empathy? I I think not. And so, I don't know. It's it's like I said before, man. It's it's just exhausting. In the in the video, like the urn is is one of those urns that people wear on their like on a chain or as a necklace. Oh, I see. So that, yeah, so that the person is like always with you. You always carry that person with you. Oh, okay. Um, and I I just feel I I feel for him because you lost your daughter. You you carry her with you everywhere on 
you know, on your chain or whatever. And these people don't even believe that. Well, well, first of all, there isn't even sacred. Pardon? I I was just saying to them, to these people, as you were saying, nothing is sacred. Exactly. Yeah. And that is, that is the weight that I'm, I'm, I'm working through, right? It's like, what do we have to do? What should we not do? Yeah. How do we, how do we get to a place where we are treated with decency and empathy and respect is, is essentially where my mind is. Yeah. That's where I'm at as well. Well, I, I'm really glad that this incident happened a year ago, right? I'm really glad that that Dartavius and his family have decided to sue the Springfield police department. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I look forward to seeing what happens as a result of this, because this is, to say this is tricky is is beyond like this is this is a is this going to be really interesting to see how they how they deal with this. Um, it is. I think I think there's one thing that I'll say in 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 conclusion. You know, just like the um, the three charges for Derek Chauvin and and how that set off, you know, its own hopefully series of events that will happen in the future. Mm-hmm. series of justice filled events that'll happen in the future hopefully and, and this is messed up for me to say but like hopefully this incident if treated with the care that it deserves mm-hmm. is used as an example to prevent this kind of stuff from happening again and, and i i know that sounds really almost ignorant but we are in a time where things are different they're starting to be seen differently so hopefully we can use this example as something to, to bring us to a better place. But I, I don't know, man. And, and I, I hate to be this almost, I hate to be almost indecisive about my feelings on this, but it's, it's so complicated because you, like, you don't know what the end result is. Yeah. Another bullshit story, this time in Canada and on the West Coast. BC's first black judge was racially profiled by Vancouver police. In the latest Canadian example of police being racist, incompetent, or both, we have the case of Vancouver police wrongfully arresting a black 81-year-old retired BC Supreme Court judge while looking for a 40 to 50-year-old suspect. <laughs> That's right. It's not funny. I'm sorry. Proceed. It's yo like <laughs> I get black don't crack, but come on. But, but that's no, for real, that's exactly what like black don't crack, but for real? That's that's too much. That's too much. On Friday morning, Justice Selwyn Romilly, a training man, who by the way is the first black person appointed to the BC court, was walking around Stanley Park during his morning walk when two cruisers pulled up nearby and five cops approached him. He said all five appeared to be white and were significantly taller than his five feet, eight inches. And remember, when you're old like that, you start to shrink. Mm -hmm. Justice Romilly recounted, quote, they said they got a complaint about someone fitting my description. And before I could say anything, they told me to put my hands behind my back and they shackled me with handcuffs. I have no gun. I have any... I don't have anything in my hand or my person. And here you have at 9.45 a.m. near to Third Beach where you have lots of people. You have a black guy 
shackled in handcuffs, and people passing by. I found that most embarrassing, end mm-hmm. quote. He said he told the officers he was a retired judge, and they released him from the handcuffs after about a minute. It's important to reiterate that police were looking for a 40 to 50-year-old man. <laughs> this is racial profiling because in what universe does an 80-year-old man look like he's 50? Sergeant Steve Addison said in a statement officers were dispatched around 9.15 a.m. following reports of a man kicking, punching, and spitting at people along the seawall near English Bay. He said officers patrolling the area noticed a man resembling the description of the suspect and, quote, briefly detained him to investigate, end quote, handcuffing him given the violent nature of the reported incidents. Addison said the man was compliant and identified himself as a retired judge, and the handcuffs were, quote, quickly removed. He said a patrol supervisor has since offered an apology. Addison said the suspect was described as a, quote, dark-skinned man, end quote, around 40 to 50 years old, decades younger than Judge Romilly, who finished law school at UBC in 1966. Apparently, the correct suspect was taken to jail after officers found him around the same time in the same area. (laughs) Sorry. Judge Romilly said two senior officers have reached out to apologize, and he doesn't plan to file a complaint. But he still hopes the police department makes some changes. Quote, They have to be very vigilant when they train young white police officers for dealing with minorities. I hate to say that this is a case where I was targeted because I was walking while black, but you kind of wonder why those handcuffs were placed on me at such an early stage, end quote. To be honest, I think this was a missed opportunity to force Vancouver's council and police services board to have a reckoning on this, even if by suing them. Mm -hmm. Enough with the handholding. For the record, Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart said he was appalled and reached out to Justice Romilly personally to apologize. Stewart said he was contacted by the police department's chief and board members, and the board will review the incident. Quote, all of our institutions are based on colonialism and as such are systemically racist, including the city and police department, the mayor said. Thoughts on this, Patience? I mean, that that's a whole mess. Like, I, I'm imagining this poor 81 years old... All they want to do at that age is walk. You know what I mean? Like this is some fresh air. Talk to kids. Like all the man wants to do is go to Stanley Park, one of the most beautiful parks in in on the continent, and feed birds and smile and enjoy. You know, like this 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 phase in in his life, and you just are finding black people like we already know Vancouver has a, has a very small black population and mm. now you're going to antagonize people who don't even fit the description just because they're they're black oh yeah power for the course yeah and i and i wonder what that does so i mean, i want to go back to what you said about enough with the hand holding cuz you know i'm all about enough with the hand holding this is not about saying the right things this is about and i know it's gonna sound maybe a little bit aggressive fire them you can't be doing this you can't be doing this training obviously is is not working or maybe you know vancouver doesn't do any kind of um you know racial sensitivity or diversity and inclusion training but training doesn't work you need to to do things to show people that this is not tolerated this man is 81 years old 
if you don't know how to find someone that actually fits the description, like there was another crew or another team of people who went out and found someone that was actually 40 to 50 years old. I, I, act, I I'm actually like, I feel like I'm about to explode. The, <laughs> the, the, like the racism is one thing, right? But like, how fucking stupid are you? Right. <laughs> 40 to 50 years old and you find an 81 year old man? <laughs> like it's either you are stupid or racist. Pick one. Like, for me, it's like you're, you're like, and, and you're arresting. Like, I guess what's getting me so heated too is like, for me as a black man who is, you know, I'm still anxious walking on the street sometimes, right? And then I hear this example of a a, a judge. <laughs> Anyone can get being it. Being treated like this, anyone can get it. Anyone can get it. And like we know it, right? But like when we see it happening over and over again and we're reminded of this bullshit it, uh, it's man it's upsetting so moving on to news from the world uh u.s congress to propose bill to overhaul policing so last year biden had called on congress to pass a bill overhauling policing by tuesday may 25th uh the one-year anniversary of george floyd's death the negotiators, who are both from the Democratic and Republican parties, have maintained that they are not adhering to any timelines, unfortunately, instead saying that they want the right bill, not a rushed bill. This bipartisan bill is expected to really fundamentally transform policing in the nation, so it, it is a pretty big deal. Senator Cory Booker told CNN that it's fair to say a framework of a deal is coming together, but he wouldn't discuss if they're getting closer on this thing called qualified immunity, a controversial federal doctrine that protects officers accused of violating the Constitution while on duty, although that issue continues to be a chief sticking point in the negotiations. Since Floyd was killed last May, at least 25 states have done their own due diligence of taking up the issue and considered some form of qualified immunity reform, including Colorado, New Mexico, Connecticut and Massachusetts, which have passed legislation to end or restrict the defense, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. However, th this federal doctrine can be abolished across the country only by the Supreme Court or Congress, which, again, brings back the the, the importance of, of this bipartisan bill uh, that is currently under discussion. Mm -hmm. So Democratic House Majority Whip James Clyburn suggested that he would be willing to support policing reform legislation even if it did not end qualified immunity. And he's quoted saying, quote, I will never sacrifice good on the altar of perfect. I just won't do that. Obviously, good is, is, al is always, good can be good enough, but I, 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 I don't know. So he goes on to say, I know what the perfect bill will be. We have proposed that. I want to see good legislation, and I know that sometimes you have to compromise. If we don't get qualified immunity now, then we will come back to try to get it later. But I don't want to see us throw out a good bill because we can't get a perfect bill. Clyburn's remarks have gone far and wide because they are really a departure from members of his own party who, along with civil rights activists across the country, have pushed for the doctrine to be eliminated or changed. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Clyburn thinking that we don't need qualified immunity, Curtis? I'm, I'm just going to read Sean King's statement. Okay. <laughs> uh, he says, quote, I'm mainly embarrassed today. Ooh. 
One year after the murder of George Floyd, our federal government, controlled completely by Democrats, from the White House to Congress, has done next to nothing to actually address the deep systemic problems with police in America. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act should already be law. It's truly a moderate bill. Mm -hmm. And it's outrageous that it's just sitting in Congress languishing, end quote. But I, I feel like that says it right there. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I so you kind of touched on this, right? I, I understand that uh, good should never be the, what is it? What's the term again? Good shouldn't be the enemy of the perfect or, so I get that, but qualified immunity is so crucial to changing the, the entire system that we as black people, we as BIPOC people more broadly experience. Um, so I, I, like, really, I, I don't know what to say because I don't know what led to him coming to that decision. I guess that's that's really where I'm at. Why would you think that that's reasonable? So I think it's I think people can do their own research, of course. But Clyde, Clyburn is black and Clyburn is an older gentleman. I was about to say that same thing. He's oh, old. <laughs> Go go for it. Go, go for well, it. no, please go ahead. I, I I'm happy you brought it up. Yeah, because I think that there's there's this generation of older black politicians. Yes, who are very comfortable with, with the fact that we have some attention around this this George Floyd issue, or this this, this is not a George Floyd issue. This this is a accountability issue, and mm. they're okay to just continue to take baby steps. Whereas there are like people like Cory Booker, younger politicians yeah. who are just not having this anymore, like and really want a fundamental shift. And the older folks, you know, because they're coming from this era of, you know, Jim Crow, like yeah. like literally people f- hanging from trees, um, and it being a public spectacle, yeah. and and they they're okay with where we're at. And it's it's unfortunate. I think the reality is that folks like Jim Clyburn, they simply do not have the right perspective, the right the, the full perspective that they should. Yeah. Um, and you know, as you were talking, I couldn't help but I've just been having this plate in my mind since I heard what Jim said. I remember seeing a Biden, you know, campaign promotional video back in the twenty twenty election. Uh, U.S. election, that is. And I, I remember that video, Jim Clyburn was in that video speaking at the congressional lectern, some Democrats behind him. And I remember him saying, you know, we support uh, we support Joe Biden because we know Joe Biden, but more importantly, because Joe Biden knows us. Mm. And, and I, I can't help but think that that was more of a personal statement right <laughs> as opposed to one like, that's supposed know, yeah. to actually help black people feel safe in the united states or or, or heard right. in the united states and i think this is a great example of uh, just people who are black people who are out of touch with the reality today regardless of what they might have experienced in their past they're out of touch with the reality today and they are not in a position to speak on the issues of today from our perspective yeah Moving on to our next story, um, I, I really wanted to talk about the Olympics because I've been talking to a lot of healthcare workers, people who are operating in in this kind of COVID environment, and you know we can continue to have waves for the foreseeable future, eh? So I think it's important to talk about um, you know what a fourth wave 
is looking like in, in parts of the world that are experiencing their fourth wave. Mm. And um, so to kind of discuss some, um, you know, how, how we can make better decisions. So Japan is receiving pressure to cancel the Summer Olympics as it enters its fourth wave. Hospital in Japan's second largest city of Osaka are buckling under a wave of new coronavirus cases, running out of beds and ventilators as exhausted doctors warn again of a system collapse and advise against going ahead with the Olympics this summer. By Thursday, 96% of the 348 hospital beds Osaka reserves for serious virus cases were in use. So they are already at 96% capacity. Medical professionals with firsthand experience of Osaka's struggle with the pandemic take a negative view on holding the Tokyo Games, which is set to run this summer from July 23rd to August 8th. The Tokyo Medical Practitioners Association has already called for the event to be canceled, given the pressure on hospitals in the city. Mm-hmm. Dr. Akira Takasu, the head of emergency medicine at a hospital in Osaka, is quoted saying, quote, the Olympics should be stopped because we have already failed to stop the flow of new variants from England and next might be an inflow of Indian variants, end quote. I hear that. I mean, you're literally bringing people from maybe every country in the world into a fourth wave environment and then sending them back home. <laughs> like, I mean, for me, yeah, I mean, obviously we have to look at it from that perspective, but for me, it's like, yo, your, your hospital capacity, your ICU capacity is at 96%. Yo, that, that's all you need to know. <laughs> There's no room. Like you don't have the capacity. You can't do this. You can't do this. Yeah. You cannot do this. <laughs> I get everyone's, you know, uh, insistence on getting things back to normal. I get it. But this doesn't make it make sense. Well, okay. So hold on. Maybe we can. So because it it, it could be possible. It could be possible if you've got strong measures in place to keep sick people outside of the games, keep sick, you know, stop contestants from becoming sick in the first place, et cetera. I mean, it might be possible to, to pull this off. Imagine people are masked up. Maybe there's a little bit of social distancing. What do you, you don't think so? I think if, if Osaka was not in their fourth wave, yes, but you're <laughs> in your fourth wave and now you want like, and you want to invite people from across the world into your fourth wave. I don't know. I, I It seems well, this, this so I, I hear you, I hear you completely, but like again, so this is this is my thought, right? We we have here in Ontario, you know, for example, we talked about movie theaters being closed, right? right. And yet in Quebec, they have not been, right? Um, and things have been fine. And yet, if you look at the macro picture between Ontario and Quebec, you'd probably say no motherfucking theater should be open. Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? So I'm just not entirely like I get it. Obviously, I already pointed out 96%, but like, maybe it's possible. Who knows? This week for questions for the audience, I I, I want to tell you, so I, I had, I have a friend on, on Facebook. I have a friend, I have, I have a lot of acquaintances mm-hmm. on Facebook. And this particular acquaintance posted something last week and said, black people remember how Muslims supported you during Black Lives Matter mm. and George Floyd and show us the same support with Israel mm. Palestine. 
and that that pissed me mm. off. Tell me more. And I think I think my question for the audience this week is, you know, recently there have been calls for the world to pick a side, to take a stand, and to make a statement in the Israel-Palestine conflict. This conflict, layered and political and as old as time, is tricky, particularly if you have never lived in the region. And honestly, I think that's part of what annoyed me. Because while Black people are affected by racism in Canada, and all Canadians have a stake in changing that, Black people and our actions have zero bearing on the conflict in the Middle East. So the question for this week is, have you taken a public stance on the Israel-Palestine issue? And if so, did you feel pressured to take a stand despite not knowing all the facts, historical nuances, or even having a deep familiarity with the religious components of the state, of the area, and of the conflict? You've just listened to episode 59 of The Trip. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at the Drip TO. We love our many non-BIPOC listeners, but we have a message specifically to our Black listeners. We hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Beyond Location for our new sound. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. See y'all next time. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.